0: Stay right there, stay right there, I'll be right back. Hey, welcome everybody to Talking Donkey International and our new television series, Country Wisdom.
1: Let's set the tone for this new series of ours. It's found in Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways We'll be sure.
0: Join us now for Country Wisdom.
1: This whole area is high desert. As you can see, it's filled with rocks, a lot of dust, mesquite, junipers, but there's something else that this whole area is full of. Caves. They can go on for miles. They can be way deeper than they look. And you know, I can't help but think that as often as I've been down in some of these caves in this area, I have been in a cave of a different type, way too often, because periodically due to circumstances or whatever my own fears, I have found myself retreating into an emotional cave a cave of depression, of fear, of anxiety where I'm not really functioning like I usually do, like I'm supposed to. And I've discovered though that even when I have been deep and dark in a cave, the moment that I actually turned my thoughts back to God instead of just inward into my own my own headspace, which is can be a dark place when I do determined to turn to God, he's right there. I mean, he'd been there the whole time. I just wasn't seeing him because I was looking inside so much. But I turned to him and every single time, no matter how deep a cave I've dug for myself, he's been right there.
0: This is what's so exciting, Janice, because he's the God of the mountaintops and he's also the God in the caves. God is everywhere, God is always searching for us and God always wants to help us. Exactly. I'm sure you're aware of Abraham Lincoln, this amazing man in the United States, but probably what you didn't realize is some of the things he said and the things he felt in life. I've got a little quote I want to share with you. I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful soul on earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die to be better. Wow, what an unbelievable quote. Then I have another one here I want to share with you. Uh, Spurgeon, the greatest preacher maybe who ever lived, he wrote a book, Lectures to My Students. And in those lectures, he devoted an entire chapter to depression. said, listen, it fits of depression come over the most of us. Usually, cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. We must at intervals be cast down. You see, I believe God uses those times to lift us up, to remind us He's God. He continues The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous are not always happy. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. You're always going to be joyous. There was a man of God in the Bible, and it's so interesting to me because God doesn't sugarcoat his people in the Bible. He lays it right out there. And one of those men that had real troubles, a real, uh, what would I say, a real cave experience was Elijah. Elijah was a tremendous man of God. During his time, Ahab, the king of Israel, was a nasty, evil, ornery, vindictive man. And he was leading, quote, the children of Israel. God told Elijah, I want you to go tell that man I'm withholding. I'm closing up heaven. I'm shutting off the rain so he knows who God really is because they were worshiping Baal and all these other gods. Elijah marches down to that castle he goes right in past the guards nobody dare touch this man of God he walks right up to Ahab he puts his finger right in his face and said look there is a real God of heaven you're going to know it God is shutting off the rains and he turned and he left now God continued to feed this man as the rain stopped in the country that there was no more rain for three and a half years God continued to feed this man during that period And let me tell you, things got really bad. Why, the the moss that was once green and beautiful, there was nothing anymore. Ahab began sending out scouts and people to little creeks and things that there were still anything left to find grass for the horses and the donkeys and and the various animals. God took care of his man. As we get toward the end of this, this time frame, God sent him to a, a person outside of Israel, this this woman who was a, a sweet, sweet, kind woman, just her and her son, lost her husband some time ago. The woman looked up at Elijah. She'd been gathering sticks, and he looked, says, please, bring me some water. She goes, she comes back, she brings him a cup of water, and then he said, bring me a, a little something to eat, a little biscuit. Please, sir, I, I, I only have enough uh, meal and just a little oil in the flask. We were going to eat that ourselves and then die. That's all we had. He says, no, he says, you go ahead, get that for me first. (laughs) Oh, real situation here. My, My son, do I trust this guy who I've never met, but he seems different. He seems like I should trust him. Well, she does. And an amazing thing is this went on for month after month after month. And the oil continued to stay in the flask, and the meal continued to stay. It it never ran out for, for such a long, long time. And then one day, her son dies. She goes to this man of God, and she said, Did you just do all this? She said, Just to bring me to this point that my son is dead? He takes the son. He goes up into this upper chamber. He lays the son out. He lays on top of him. He prays to God, God... WAKE HIM UP, HEAL HIM, DOES THIS TIME AFTER TIME AFTER TIME. STILL, HE GETS UP, NOTHING. AND FINALLY, ALL OF A SUDDEN, THE CHILD COUGHS, GASPS, AND HE'S FINE, TAKES THE CHILD BACK TO THE MOTHER. AN AMAZING STORY. BUT NOW GOD SAYS, Elijah well, IT'S TIME. GO MAKE YOURSELF KNOWN TO AHAB. YOU SEE, AHAB HAD SEARCHED FOR A LONG, LONG TIME. COULDN'T FIND THIS MAN OF GOD. MATTER OF FACT, IT WAS A SITUATION THAT... Every time someone spotted him, this man of the king would run back to the king and say, King, I found him, I found him. Bring all the army. They'd get there. He wasn't around. You see, God always told him what was going to happen, and he would leave. And Ahab would be so mad, he'd kill that man. Well, finally, God says, make yourself known. So one day he placed himself exactly where he knows that this man of Ahab is going to show up. And certainly he does show up. And this this fellow was a believer in the true God. He he didn't want to follow what Ahab said. But he comes up to to Elijah, and Elijah says, Hey, I want you to go tell Ahab where I am. Oh, sir, I can't do that. Because as soon as I go off and tell, you'll leave. You'll go someplace else. And when the army gets here, you'll be gone, and I'll be dead. Well, Elijah tells him, No, no, I will be here. I will be here. And so he runs off to go and tell the king. For three and a half years, this vengeful king had looked for this man of God. And now he had him right there in front of him. He said, you, you are the troubler of Israel. (laughs) Of course, Elijah said, no, no, king, you have this all wrong. You are the one. You and your people have gone down the wrong pathway. You want to know who God is? I'll meet you on top of that mountain later today, and we will discover and find out who the real God of heaven is. On that fateful day, the people came from everywhere. The word had gone out that the man of God was going to meet up on the mountaintop here. What was going to happen? Well, people came out just to know, and they wanted to know, was there ever going to be any rain again? Elijah, on that day, set down the parameters. He said, look, here's the situation. You people, you you need to understand this. If God be God, then serve him. If Baal, then serve him. But choose you this day whom you will serve. It's just that simple. Make a choice in what you're going to do look, we're going to bring up two bullocks, you build your altar however you want to your God, and you put your bullock on it, and I will reconstruct the altar of God and put a bullock on it, and then the God who answers by fire, he's God. All the people said, okay. They were pretty quiet about it, but I think there were some okays throughout that audience. And so on that day, they they brought the bullocks. They, They came together. And the priests began fashioning their little altar, whatever it was, and they placed the bullock on it, and they began dancing. To give you a little idea of the bedlam and the, the chaos that were going on during this time, there were 850 prophets of this false god. They are out there. They're yelling and screaming and hollering. You know, God says, be still and know that I'm God. says, so relax, listen to the still, small voice of God. God is not the author of chaos. God is not the author of, of all the, the bedlam. And that's exactly what these guys, picture 850 men, they're, they're out there, they're, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're hollering, they're taking knives, they're cutting themselves, they're, they're piercing themselves until the blood is running everywhere and they're shouting to their, their God it's kind of interesting that uh, elijah said hey fellas maybe you should yell a little louder maybe perhaps your god is asleep or maybe you know your god's gone to the bathroom they just con- he just continues to kind of jab a little bit because he knows there is no god there well they continue they continue they're doing this all morning into afternoon still in the afternoon these guys are getting so tired they've gone on and on and on and they're just about dying they're so tired can't hardly stand it now and there's still no fire coming down on the altar there is nothing happening not at all and about that time Elijah said okay it's it's my turn and he goes to prepare his altar You know, scripture says it was about the time of the evening sacrifice. Everything is in God's timing, always, always in God's timing. And Elijah began gathering up the stones to reconstruct the old altar that had fallen down from disrepair, disuse because the people no longer worship the God of heaven. He gathered 12 stones. The 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Now you talk about a sacrificial system, and, and sacrifice was not something they just did to appease a God. No, no. A sacrifice was to train the people that one day Jesus Christ, the God of the heavens himself, would come down and lay out and be sacrificed for the people. That's the difference between the, the God of, that they worshipped, you know, cutting themselves and doing all these things. They wanted to appease an angry God, but that's not the God of heaven. The God of heaven, building the altar, laying down upon it, being sacrificed for the good of all humanity. That's who this God is. That's who this God is that Elijah wanted to begin pointing everybody back to. So he gathered all the stones. He prepared the sacrifice just absolutely perfectly. He sent men all the way down to the ocean to gather barrels of water. While they were gathering those barrels of water, he dug a huge trench around the altar, a great deep trench, and these men brought back a barrel of water. They dumped it in the trench He said, go a second time. They brought another one, dumped in the second one, he said, go a third time. They poured water all over everything, until so everything was just running drenched in water everywhere. And then he got down on his knees and he said, God, so these people know who you are. I am your, I'm your man here, Lord, and I pray to you. and." and ask you, Lord, please, please, Lord, you answer this prayer. And let me read to you just a little piece here. A little windy today, if I can hold my Bible open. His prayer was, Thou art the God of Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. He wasn't doing this on his own, it was at God's word. And this is found in 1 Kings 18, verse 36 and 37 now. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water around the trench. Even licked up the water around the trench. And the thousands and thousands of people who were standing around went down on their faces and said, Truly, truly, this is the God of the universe. You see, it's so easy to forget who God is. As as time goes on, we slowly and imperceptibly forget who He is. If we don't see big manifestations of God every day, we just tend to slowly but surely forget. How do you how do you get that back? Well you study God's Word, you, you listen to God, you, you follow the stories of the Bible and realize who the true God is. And at that moment, Elijah gets up and tells all the people to kill the prophets of Baal. You, you can't have good and evil existing in the same place. And they kill all those prophets. And then he gets up and he walks over to Ahab. He said, Ahab, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Ahab says, I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. See, (laughs) what can I say? Elijah had the ears of faith. But as the uh, clamor and the people began to dissipate, Elijah waited for that time when he could be quiet and calm now after all the commotion. He began praying to God about the rain. He sent his man, his servant, out to the edge of the cliff to overlook the sea and tell him if he saw anything. comes back, my Lord, nothing. Sends him again and again and again. Seven times. Went seven times. And finally on that seventh time, he came back. Lord, I I see a small cloud the size of a man's hand. Well, that was good enough for Elijah. He was a man of faith, a powerful man of faith. And he said, okay. And God gave him tremendous energy at that moment. He wanted to catch up to Ahab, King Ahab. And matter of fact, he ran down the mountain, caught up to Ahab, and for 30 miles, he ran in front of the chariot. Can't even hardly imagine it, but God's power, we we can do anything in life. Hey, Janice. Hey, Tim, How'd it go up there? Oh, went really well. We uh, were able to tell a lot of the story of Elijah, uh, right up to the point where he's running ahead of the chariot for 30 miles. Now, apparently, I can't really tell, but he stopped short of getting to Jezebel's and apparently that was a pretty good deal.
1: (laughs) Good choice. Oh, Ahab, her husband, King, goes in. And I can just picture him, tail between his legs, all defeated. She goes, hey, how did things go? And he probably started this sob story of, you won't believe what Elijah did. You know, the fire came down and, and he's just defeated. He's, you know, curled up maybe in his bed calling for something warm to drink and just, I want to forget about the day. And she is on the warpath. When she heard that all of her prophets were dead, she was on the war path. Have you ever seen a really angry woman? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say. <laughs> I won't ask. But she was steamed where Ab- Ahab was all defeated. She is out for blood. In fact, she got a messenger and she said, you go out and you find that meddling little prophet and you tell him, may the gods do to me what you've done to my prophets.' If within the next by this time tomorrow, you're not dead. And she meant it. She had the resources for it. I think Jezebel ran the kingdom because Ahab was fairly weak. He would have done anything she said. She was giving orders. You get those soldiers. You get, and you find him, and you kill him.
0: And when he got that message, that was a turning point for him. All of a sudden, for some reason, he focuses on that message. He focuses on Jezebel. He loses his focus on God, and he runs. He's lost all reason. He's running, he's running, he's running. And he doesn't stop to think about all that God had done for him. And we pick up the story in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verse 4. It said, he came and he sat down under a juniper tree. He was so tired, he was so beat, he lays down and he goes to sleep. And he gets kind of a tap on the shoulder. He wakes up and there's an angel there. And the angel prepared a cake, a little fire, a cake, and some water for him. He said, drink, you've got a long journey. He eats, drinks, goes back to sleep. Later on, he wakes up again, another tap. The angel again and prepared more food. And he said, eat now. He said, you're going to need your strength for your journey. And I think God is so amazing. He's so incredible. He knew Elijah was not doing his will. He knew that he was not supposed to be running away from the fight, away from Ahab and Jezebel. He was supposed to be standing in for God, and he's running. But God feeds him. God takes care of him. We serve an amazing God. After an arduous 200-mile journey, he finally reached his destination. What was that? It was a cave in the side of a hill. He wanted to hide. He wanted to die. He finally made it to the cave. You know, in a cave, the devil has all kinds of things going on. You get in your own mind in the cave, the devil has lots of things going on. You You know, you're alone you have no help. There, There's nobody to help you anymore. He throws the darkness around you. You're surrounded by darkness. There's no one to help you. You're nobody to help you. Well, no one cares. These are the things the devil throws at you when you allow yourself like Elijah to get caught in a cave in this cave situation. But God is always there. God showed up and the Lord said, hey, what are you doing here, Elijah? Well, Lord, I, I did all these great things. I Now he begins to pontificate as if he's got all this pride and all this self-worth, when a few minutes ago, he didn't think he was worth anything anymore. He begins spouting all this. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, hey, wake up, pay attention to this. And huge windstorm, but God wasn't in the windstorm. An earthquake shook everything, scared him, thought the, the rocks are going to fall on him, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there's a mighty fire. God was not in the fire. And then there was the still, small voice of God, this whisper of God. And Elijah knew who that was. He'd paid enough attention. He got up, he stood up, and he went out to the mouth of the cave to listen to what God had to say. And again, the Lord says, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he again kind of goes into this whole situation about all the things he'd done and all the great things. As he's Saying how great he is to God, God says, okay, it's time to appoint your successor. I want you to find Elisha the, and make him prophet in your stead. Wow, Lord. Okay, he kind of thinks about that one a little bit. It continues these things on. You see, God does some amazing things. God provides for us. In this case, for Elijah, when he was in the cave, he provided rest for him, get him healthy. You know, we need good food. We need rest if we're going to hear the voice of God. And there's many other things God did here too. He reminds him that the work is God's and that God is always at work. It's not our work, it's God's work. In this case, God used him to perform the work that God had ongoing. And then the Lord also gave him a fresh commission, a new commission, because he's sitting in this cave and he's think, my life is over, I've done all these great things, I've done everything, but this is it, I'm done, just kill me, Lord and the Lord gives him a fresh commission. He tells him to also go appoint this other guy king and and, uh, to do these various things, so a new commission. And then the biggest thing is (laughs) we we read through this story, and Elijah said, you know, God, I'm the only one left. It's just me. Oh, woe is me. I feel so sorry for myself out in this dark little cave. God said, hey, There are 7,000 others in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal and other gods. 7,000. So many times we can be tempted and think, we're the only one. We're it. God, there's nobody else out here that believes like I do. There's nobody else out here who who fights for your honor. There's nobody else out here that, you know, does church the way I do church. (laughs) Whatever it is, God says, hey, there are many others. There are many others, pay attention, listen to me. I'm going to guide you and I'm going to direct you. This is what needs to happen in our lives is that we get out of our cave situation. We could feel, quit feeling sorry for ourselves and move on, move on to God. Move on to what he is looking for in our lives. Choose God this day. Remember that's up on the top of Mount Carmel. It says, who will you serve? If God be God, serve him." him. If Baal, then serve him. God had worked all these mighty miracles in his life, and all of a sudden, he forgot God, too. It's easy to happen when we take our eyes off of the Creator God of the universe. Today, I urge you, don't take your eyes off of God. God is in pursuit of you. You know, there's a, an old story. that's called the poem, I believe, The Hounds of Heaven. God seeks the hounds of heaven upon us to follow us, to to dog our footsteps, to call us back to him. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever cave you're maybe sitting in right now, all the the troubles and the trials, and you think, God, this is it, just heal me, I'm done. No, 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 God has a lot more in store for you. God had more for his prophet. You see, at the end of his journey, a, a, a beautiful chariot, God's chariot with angels came down and picked him up, and those chariots headed right on up to heaven. One of the only men in all of biblical history that never tasted of death. That's what God had in store for his prophet. What does God have in store for you Oh, Let me tell you, God has a lot in store for you. Choose God this day. Wow, what a story, huh?
1: And every word of it is true. I needed to hear that part, to remind myself, because I've been where Elijah found himself emotionally, just spent. Anyone can find themselves where Elijah was, where I've been, and it's so comforting to know that God doesn't wait for you to climb back out of that pit, come back up from that cave. He comes to you. He's with you, even in that dark pit. If you've ever found yourself there, if you're finding yourself there right now, we've got a little book for you, Overcoming the Three Ds, Depression, Discouragement, and Despair. For just a small donation, this can be yours, Simple Steps to Getting Out of That Pit. It's written by Jim Eyre, and you can find it at TalkingDonkeyInternational.org.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us for Country Wisdom.
1: See you next time.